It's also important to think about non-monogamy as a spectrum, like any aspect of our personality or sexuality. And so this spectrum and this continuum to a degree is influenced by our you know, novelty-seeking tendencies, uh, our sex drives, cultural and experiential reasons. Really important to step into this territory with being very informed and very grounded in your own experience. Hey everybody, it's Christine Marie Mason. Welcome to The Rose Woman. I'm your host, author, yogi, mama, all the things. Every week we do a topic that is intended to move us from some taboo to liberation, to open our minds and create a little bit more freedom. And this week is no exception. Today we're talking about the rapidly changing world of sexual norms, where the formerly unacknowledged or unfulfilled fantasies of having more diverse sexuality are not only now acknowledged, but yes, there's even an app for that. And that app is Field, a dating app for couples and singles where consent and respect rule the screen. But before we get in and hear their story, I want to pause and tell you that your sexual fantasies and your desires are completely normal. Dr. Justin Laymiller, the author of Tell Me What You Want, did a survey of the sexual fantasies of more than 6,000 adults. He wanted to know what normal was. There are only two that are not really common. And the number one desire overall? Threesomes. It was overwhelmingly the top fantasy of both genders. And more broadly, the category of multi-partner play was expressed by 95% of men and 87% of women. So if you think your fantasies are rare, then you're likely to feel more guilt and shame, which causes more relationship difficulty. So when you reconceptualize what is something that you thought was a stigmatizable fantasy, when it becomes normal, that you feel better. You have better relationships, better sexual communications, improved sexual functioning. And good news for those of you in midlife, Miller's research shows that people's fantasies become more adventuresome as they age. They increase up to age 40 when women and men both come into their full agency in their sexuality, then stabilize in their 50s and 60s. So if you or your partner, like millions of others, have any desire for more intimacy, connection, variety, or excitement in your sexual life, that is so cool. It's not the failure of your relationship. It's an opening to new possibilities. So where would you even start? Well, maybe you'd want to start with Field. Today I'm talking with Evgenia, who runs UX and UI, a user experience or user interface for Field. And I start by asking Evgenia just how Field came to exist at all. So Field is the first dating app for couples and singles. And in Field, we embrace all genders and all sexual identities and encourage, encourage members to join the space and explore either a solo or paired up with a partner or a curious friend. The company was founded in 2015 by Dimo, Dimo Trifonov in London, and his partner, Anna Kirova, uh, who has recently stepped into the CEO role, at the time shared with him that she had feelings for one of her female colleagues at work. So she decided to open up to Dimo about her desire to another woman but also about her deep love for Demo. And those feelings, um, so Anna believed that those feelings, also other people experience them in couples and singles. And 
they start looking for different platforms to basically facilitate those explorations, uh, but couldn't find anything at the time. Uh, so Demo <laughs> created a landing page and overnight it became viral. So the idea of Field was born. That's basically, in a nutshell, the story of Field. I mean, I like that it started with love and authenticity. Absolutely. And she actually wrote a letter uh, to express all those deep feelings and, you know, anxieties and passion to him. Um, so I find it very beautiful part of the story. <laughs> so you're, he's, they start the landing page, it goes viral. And then what was the pathway from there to create the app? Yeah, so what happened? Now, I don't, I have to say, I don't know all of the elements of the story. I believe that Demo designed a prototype. And first he positioned the app predominantly as an app for threesomes. So single people and couples uh, could find them each other uh, based on their interests and their desires. Um, but then as the app progressed and, you know, people behind the app uh, have grown and matured, Field slowly started to move beyond its initial reputation as the app for threesome into the wider space of consensual and responsible sexual openness. I was going to ask to, to pause on consensual sexual openness as a term. Just pause on that for a moment and let's define that for people who are listening. What does that mean? What does it encompass? For most people, I would say 65% of the people in our community are in a monogamous, sexually monogamous relationship. About 8% from our survey are people who are either dating or openly poly, and then the rest are in some degree of singleness or celibacy. But there's a lot of curiosity for how you do consensual exploration. So maybe we can just talk for a minute on how even that term evolved or how it's used in your environment. Back at the time, I believe uh, there were a couple of platforms that were serving for, you know, people who wanted to have an affair, an extramarital affairs. Now, Anna and Demo came from the place of radical honesty, as the story demonstrated to us. So the consensual and the responsible bit is actually grounded in the values of really being honest, first of all, with oneself and being honest and respectful and curious and courageous with your partner. So it's all about the openness and it's about communication. And I guess it's about this mutual exploration. That is beautiful. I love that you chose the words honest, respectful, curious and courageous because it does stand right in the face of affairs and things that are kept secret, which just produce more shame and a, a sense of isolation in many people. So this would seem to have a different emotional tenor altogether, even if it's got the same underlying actions. It's beautiful. So I, I'm curious about as you rolled it out, what was easiest and what was hardest in terms of getting it into people's hands and, and how people responded? Like what's been the most flowing and joyful part of the process and what's been the part that has been difficult? Hmm, this is a really good question. And I guess I start maybe with the hardest. <laughs> if I can be completely honest, I guess uh, even as my own role evolved in the company, and as the company matures and our collective knowledge of the complexity of human sexuality and the relationship dynamics has deepened, 
Um, the hardest bit is probably to continue designing with a very close view and consideration to this complexity. So working with this complexity while navigating the overlay of, you know, things like systemic oppression and repression through various mechanisms like church and political ideologies, uh, internalized shame and gender violence. Um, all of this put a lot of responsibility on us as architects of the cyberspace, especially the place where people manifest their deepest, most sacred fantasies and desires. And I guess our work requires a lot of attention and a lot of attention to nuances and radical accountability on our side and representation of all voices. And all of those things are very deeply grounded within our personal and our company-wide values. And so I guess to circle back to what was the easiest, maybe on the professional level, the easiest is we attract a lot of people with very similar mindsets. And, you know, sometimes it feels very surprising how many people out there who share your mindset considering complexities of the world we're living in right now. Receiving attention and bringing people in and building up a community of like-minded people who share exactly the same values and the mission was also very easy and incredibly rewarding, as you can imagine. I do imagine that once you get underneath the layer of the pretend of the structures of which you speak, like a political and church oppression, where over many decades it's become, um, any hundred centuries, disfavored to speak of these inner yearnings, to have them normalized and to find a community that supports your particular flavor of loving and to realize that it's normal must be incredibly healing. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you are learning about people's desires through the data in, that you've uh, aggregated in the app? Yes. One of the things that we notice, sexual desires and fantasies uh, are quite universal. And from the academic research, we know that uh, the fantasy of having a threesome or a multi-partnered sexual encounter is pretty widespread and both among men and women. And even before the pandemic, we saw um, the growing body of research suggesting that monogamy in a long-term relationship uh, is quite tough, tough on desire, and particularly on female desire. So now we just recently received um, some data that we were looking um, at and analyzing. And this is something that encapsulated the behavior you know, and representation, how people represented themselves uh, throughout the past year during the pandemic. And so what we saw was a dramatic increase in members openly stating their interest for threesomes. So even though before uh, we already positioned ourselves as an app for threesome, now there was almost like a six-time increase in women's profiles openly saying, this is what I'm looking for. There was a five-time increase in women stating that they are looking for ethical non-monogamy. And I think there was something like three-time increase in, in women stating they're looking for polyamory. 
Um, and what was even more striking, women are the driving force behind the sexual explorations. Um, so we also noticed um, some exciting trends in terms of kink desire. And so kink as a desire st stayed among top 10 desires in 2020 um, and was used by 20% of our members. Um, and we noticed a significant rise in preferences for dominance among women, which is quite interesting, uh, impact play, switching. And then we started receiving many fascinating stories about people who were taking lockdown as an opportunity to reconfigure their sex lives, either by exploring king, solo masturbation, or by exploring different avenues of relationship with their partner. And just to even go back, uh, Christine, to what you said about the healing aspect of it, you'll be very surprised since March 2020, there was a dramatic 18 times increase in women mentioning the word healing in their profiles. In what context? Describing themselves on the profile or describing the experience that they were looking for would be something along the lines, I am looking for a deeper connection. I'm looking for emotional availability. I'm looking for emotional intelligence from my partner and a healing or transformative experience. So through some of the data where we're just able to spot this particular trend, you know, the words healing, the words connection, the words meaningful were used incredibly more often comparing to the previous year. That's interesting. I was also noticed that in many of the data points you pulled out, you were talking about women coming into more uh, authenticity around their desires for multiple partners in different ways. And I was thinking about historically how it's always somewhat been sanctioned for there to be polygyny, you know, whether it's a man with multiple wives or the harem model or, you know, a, a player kind of a modern version of that. But that polyandry for women was always sanctioned because of the bloodlines and property and all of that. So do you think women are catching up in a way or that now we finally have an environment where they're able to express it? Maybe the underlying desire was always there and it was just uh, shoved under the carpet. Yeah, I would probably agree with the second statement. I believe that desire was always there. You know, and the internet is a wonderful space for women to start exploring and experimenting and connecting on a completely different level. You know, and it's a much safer environment. Uh, it doesn't eliminate all of the threats that are out there, unfortunately. Uh, but comparing to real life is a much safer environment. And, you know, in field through the internal data we see something of a trend in sexual anarchy among women Ooh, i like that word anarchy i know yeah and since the beginning of the pandemic yeah <laughs> more women express their want to date separately from their partner so they would come to field and they would create a profile and state that they are currently in the primary relationship with their partner but you know Wanting to date separately or explore separately, again, was used two and a half times more often since the previous year. And I find it quite fascinating. It's almost women 
get this autonomy and, you know, agency. And this is something that the internet helps them to achieve uh, to a certain degree. I love that. I like the term sexual an- sex anarchy also. There are no rules, as they say. But the rules are, in, it's like an internal discovery of, okay, you, you can try something. And just because you try it doesn't mean that's your current identity, your new identity. You can try it and see if the behavior suits you or you like it. And then you can revert. I, the idea that you don't have to abide by structured rules and just be in a really authentic exploration and there's a community to do it is very appealing. And this is something as well that we're noticing. And this might be of your interest, you know, the 2020 uh, destigmatized sexting. And <laughs> I feel we don't speak enough about it. Um, but actually, it's quite massive uh, in terms of being able to participate in your fantasy, which before was only possible through daydreaming, you know, or maybe writing erotica or. Uh, just dreaming at night. So now people are able and, you know, are more willing to participate in their fantasies and co-creating those fantasies sometimes with complete strangers online through sexting or through uh, videos, through video dating. Mm, That's so interesting. I guess if you are stuck at home, there's an awful lot of opportunity to explore the one thing that is still available in COVID, your imagination and your body. I guess that's two things. Let's go back to what you said about safety. And let's talk about the role of safety on the platform and what you guys are doing on a platform-wide basis to help protect users. So safety, I feel, plays a very significant role in designing and thinking and conceptualizing the experience for our members. Um, And so as a start during the onboarding, uh, when the person registered for field, they commit to the field community and safety guidelines in which we position consent and mutual respect as a fundamental principle in field. We also have an amazing team um, at our support department um, they're incredibly patient, uh, very emotionally mature and intelligent. Uh, and we handle all of our questions and all of our reports with um, exceptional care and attention. Also, as a company, we have zero tolerance for any type of abuse happening on our platform. Uh, and we're very loud about it. And so anyone breaking our guidelines is, is, uh, is either temporarily or permanently banned from our platform to protect our members. And last but not least, we believe that uh, we really have a community of like-minded individuals that contribute to this safe environment for everyone on the app. Uh, and a lot of members on field are very direct and very radically honest about their desires. And we hope to an extent exactly this element and this aspect of field is something that helps to, you know, navigate sometimes uh, very like judgmental and kind of shameful uh, attitudes. Um, and so those attitudes actually really not fitting uh, on field. So people naturally uh, accept others and who they are and 
what they want and what they're looking for. I think that what I noticed in as we sort of were experimenting with it was that the hardest part was a a little fear around the backlash of rejecting someone. You know, that there's a sense of that that's the most dangerous point as a woman sexually is to say no. And that there's a lot of squirrely behavior that happens when you're trying to um, say no in a way that doesn't piss a man off. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm try- that there's that there's a whole range of female behaviors that have been learned over the centuries to like deflect it without getting a backlash. And so online, that's somewhat safer, but that generally tends to be where the trolling and the attacks happen on women. And so in this platform, I. I Maybe you can talk a little bit about the mutuality and even the ability to do messaging. That was, a, that was a design feature that helped protect against that, right? Yes. This is a good question because the experience um, that we develop and that we design specifically for women to feel safe on the app is also highly influenced by you know, the community who we interact with. And so field is first and foremost its community. And we learn and we ideate a lot uh, influenced by the needs of our members and all their user interviews and all their interactions with our members definitely help with that. Now, in relation to what you said, yes, they, there are certain mechanisms as dating apps do that you are not able to contact or you're not able to start interacting with another person unless you express a mutual like to each other. And that puts some guardrails in place. Now, the other element that we're actively working on is to educate our uh, members around the question of consent. Because this is something, this is a very important topic. and. You know, sometimes I feel there is not enough communication of that on dating apps. Uh, And we collaborated uh, with loads of amazing uh, initiatives, uh, both European and American, and and with academics to research this topic and also like further integrate it uh, into our design. Um, There are some very interesting and incredibly informative articles on field blog. And so with the view of which we continue uh, improving field features and, you know, creating a space basically where women can explore and navigate and practice essentially their sexuality in a very safe environment, both physically, emotionally and digitally. When Anna took the CEO role, she announced that open relationships are the new normal. And I wonder if people who, for whom it's not yet the new normal, if they want to experiment with different forms of relationship, what would you advise them to do? How should they prepare themselves, discern what they want, how to do consent as we we're just talking about? Yeah. So, so what have you learned from the platform about experimentation with minimal harm and maximum joy? I guess the difficulty when you start opening up a relationship or perhaps you are single and you're looking for non-monogamous relationship, the difficulty may arise when you go on pursuing uh, someone else's desire. You go into it without really understanding why are you doing it? 
And what are you trying to get out of it for yourself? And, you know, without this understanding, there is a threat uh, that you can get hurt emotionally. And in the worst case scenario, uh, your physical boundaries can get crossed. And so non-monogamy is not one size fit all. You know, it's very important to understand that you're doing it for the right reason, essentially. You're doing it for your own autonomous reasons. There are people for whom non-monogamy and casual sex really benefit. Then there are people for whom it doesn't work at all. It's also important to think about non-monogamy as a spectrum. Like any aspect of our personality or sexuality. And so this spectrum and this continuum to a degree is influenced by our you know, novelty-seeking tendencies, uh, our sex drives, our emotional-seeking tendencies. And there are also some cultural and experiential reasons. Uh, there are also biological reasons for that and so on. And so I guess it's really important to step into this territory with being very informed and very grounded in your own experience. Yeah, I think there's a tenderness when you begin to open up that you're not even sure what your own desire is. And perhaps the way to speak to that so that you're accurately representing yourself to others is, I think I'm interested in this and I'm experimenting and I'm not sure. And that they would then be open to participating and you wouldn't be misrepresenting. Here's here's what I've noticed in people that are just stepping into a a new non-traditional sexual lifestyle. That they are either very timid or they're over their skis and trying to move too quickly before they even actually know what they want. And to be all right to sit in the ambiguity of like, I think I want this but I love myself and I respect myself. So I'm going to try it and I'm going to be clear with others that I'm trying so that they don't end up having expectations of me, you know, that I'm careful with other people's feelings as well. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? That it's a tender place to begin experimenting here. Yes, I know what you're saying. <laughs> In fact, I went through it myself, so I can definitely relate to it. But I guess it is very important to take things at your own pace. And as I mentioned previously, try not to play out someone else's desire or someone else's fantasy. It is really important to ground it also in the experience of your own body and try to understand where all of those, you know, where are those little like nudges of desire, where are they happening? Uh, I had two very interesting stories that happened to me during the pandemic. You know, I was self-isolating, like we all done (laughs) to a certain extent. And I remember after two or three weeks of self-isolating, went to a cafe and my partner, he owns a coffee shop um, and they uh, they were baking bread. And so there were this 50 sourdoughs just growing and bubbling and getting ready. And the profound sensation in the body that I experienced was incredible. I never felt anything like this. And it felt so weird, you know, but it's just this very primal 
ability to connect with yourself, with your own drives, with your fantasy. And, and I guess with the view of it, it's very important as well, things you expose yourself to. Um, something that I just can't emphasize enough, how important it is to invest into a good quality sexual content. Because sexual content, whether it, it, now it's consumed mostly digitally, mostly online, it's something that feeds your sexual desire and feeds your unconscious. So again, I guess going back to the whole role of the body in the sexual exploration, I think it's very important. And I know, Christine, that you work a lot, you know, with the meditation and the body. So it would be very interesting to hear what you have to say about it. One of the most important places and movements you can make into adulthood is to come into this sense of your inner identity as a whole and complete uh, presence in and of itself. That you're, when you sit in silence and you explore the spirit and mind that, that is at the center of you, then you, you, you know what you're, when you're making choices, it's for experience and additive pleasure. It's not to fill a brokenness or a hole inside of yourself. But the, the inner work of resting in your inner stillness is complementary to rich and complete relationships with other people. And that it doesn't, it puts you in a position where you're not codependent in the relationships you're engaging in. You're, you're more in mutuality. So I feel like the meditation and the self-knowledge and what you're talking about in terms of embodiment and being able to feel your feet and feel your hands and feel when your stomach clenches and anxiety in response to something or your heart opens and you get excited. Like all of that is, is practice in yourself that I think is a really beautiful preparation for anything you do, whether it's relationship stuff or, or work or being in the culture. So yes, all of what you said and they're complimentary. But I, I really love the way you speak. I didn't know when we start prepared for the interview who you were going to be or what the tone of your conversation was going to be. And I love how careful and respectful and consensual you are in the way you're approaching the whole topic. It's really exciting for me to see who's behind this. It gives me great confidence that you're going to continue to develop it in an integral way. And so maybe we can talk now about where you see it going and what changes you see coming up on the platform. And, you know, wh wh where are you in five years if everything goes right? What a good question. Uh, sometimes I don't ask myself enough of it because I am so immersed in the work and the exploration and really trying to connect the dots and figuring it all out now. So thank you for, <laughs> you know, bringing me to a little bit elevated way of thinking about my work and and the work of the team and where field will be the way i see field i guess it's it's being a place where you can you know come as you are and it's a place that can serve you and help you and accept you at the place at the level at which you are comfortable at the moment and the way I see it, it's a place where you can try on different things. You know, just something that you mentioned, Christine, just a few minutes ago. is a, it, It's a place where you can try on and maybe 
uh, write out different stories and maybe just send only a few of them and exchange with your fantasies just with a complete stranger. Or maybe you you can put something into words, but then if you need to, you need you, you can delete it or curate it. So I see field as as a place as as a product that will develop very intuitively and very close with maybe human internal world, the dream world, something that will help us maybe to daydream and co-create those daydreams and fantasies in a much more proactive way. Uh, IC field is an incredibly safe and very progressive um, space where people can connect and where people can meet the like-minded people and to explore safely, you know, they explore their pleasure to get reconnected with their body, to get reconnected with who they really are. And I also, you know, have loads of hopes for Field to become a very strong community of people who can not only, you know, accept and cultivate this openness and radical honesty and accountability and respect, but also uh, for people to be able, you know, to pass on the knowledge and for people to be able to imagine things and maybe never act on them because that's okay you know um that's fine it, maybe nothing will ever happen maybe it will never go beyond the app maybe it will never go beyond just you chatting to a complete stranger on the other side of the world and you know exchanging your desires and that's okay but you know for us creating something that really resonates with this very deep and very authentic states of, of, of who we are, of our sexuality. Um, I guess this is our number one priority in field for the next few years to come. Well, I love it. I love it so much. If you could wave a magic wand to create more freedom and pleasure for people, for any individual, what would you recommend they do or what would you make happen? You're in charge of the world. <sighs> if only I had this magic wand. <laughs> Uh, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you could say something, you know, like related to eliminating hunger and capitalism and all of that stuff, but let's keep it in okay. the realm of sexuality. I don't really want to like, you know, open the field up completely for you. Okay. Well, I guess if there's one thing that I could change overnight, it's probably to educate about personal boundaries, the body, pleasure, and, you know, the relationship dynamics and the relationship between your body and the environment and the earth from very early age. And I really strongly believe that it needs to become part of the curriculum. You know, I, I, I wish I learned this at school. I didn't learn it at school. I didn't learn it for, for many, many years. Uh, and only now, while working on this project of, you know, my life passion that is field, I'm learning these things and I'm really trying to make sense of them. Uh, and this is one of the things that I would definitely try to change overnight. Uh, but I really hope that in some sense, also ethically designed uh, technology is becoming in a way this magic wand. Uh, with all the resources on sex and sexuality that are out there. Um, and unfortunately, you know, as a society, 
I, I just, I don't think we can change overnight. It is more of this processing and unfolding. And there still needs to be quite a bit of unlearning and relearning to happen. And of course, bringing sex and sexual health and sexual desire into the public discourse and destigmatizing the desire is the only way we can, I mean, start even accepting ourselves, first of all, and then passing on the knowledge and raise our children into a responsible, thriving citizen who are able to experience pleasure in an ethical and responsible way. Pleasure in an ethical and responsible way. Done. I wave my wand and it happened. Thank you so much for taking the time today and talking to me. So if people want to try the app, it's um, Field that's a combination of the word feel, F-E-E-L, and with a D at the end. And it has the, you know, the implication of playing the field or in a wide open field of, of beautiful souls, all these flowers growing. So Field is the app and you can try it if you're interested or find out more about it at what, field.com? Field.co. Field.co, without the M, okay, field.co, field.co. And, um, and let me know, I'd love to hear if you try it, what it's, what it's like for you, and uh, if you have any uh, feedback for this wonderful team that has stepped out to create a new platform for human relating. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you also. I would like to leave you with this idea that whenever you find your curiosity that you're allowed to try new things and then decide whether it works for you or doesn't. You can't really know that until you experiment. So I would like us to rethink how we view our choices in life. They don't have to be created by an external culture. They can come from our heart and our imagination and we can be in complete consent with other adults and try lots of cool things together. Also, I'd like to remind you of the research that I was talking about in the beginning, Dr. Justin Lee Miller, who did the survey of sexual fantasies. He asks us to rethink the approach we take to understanding sexuality. Just because it's uncommon, it's not harmful, so what's wrong with it? Just because it's common doesn't mean it's not harmful. And just because it's normative doesn't mean it won't disgust some people. We really cultivate an acceptance for the wide, wide variety of human experience and desire that exists in the world. If you enjoyed this episode and there's someone you know that's thinking about exploring or expanding their sexual lives, you can pick up your phone right now and text them a link to this episode and share it with them. I would sure appreciate it. You can always give me feedback. Let me know how the episode hit you at the.rose.woman on Instagram or at Rosebud Woman, our company. Have a great day. Be free. Be free.